Well, first of all, let's, let's do a let's set the setting. Um, yeah. Where the hell are we? This is a this is a bit exciting for me actually because it's so. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this. We've been waiting years for this podcast. Oh, so we're so. recording now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's as casual as it can be. So. Yeah, we're live. We're live. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we've been waiting years for this podcast, and I think a lot of our listeners have been waiting years for this podcast too. Yep. So we and. Were, uh, uh, but we're yeah, so we're with uh, the legendary Bill Yao, who doesn't like doing this. So I love seeing how uncomfortable we're making. And he doesn't it. like he doesn't like it when people talk him up either. So <laughs> we can do it as much as possible. Yeah, but now Pioneer we have of many. Uh, yeah, what we take for granted. Nowadays. We tricked him into doing this, but now we have two bottles of wine, so he can yeah, start. Yeah. Uh, you forgot the inventor of the metal chapter ring for the sake. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, Bill, your voice is already shot. <laughs> Yeah, we just, this is the Sunday, so we just ended three days of wind-up, so we've been screaming and yelling at uh, everyone the past three uh, three days. Yeah. Um, fortunately, my voice feels pretty good, and I didn't use any sort of uh, uh, lubricant in my throat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Did you guys? Uh, no, but I, I had a lot of uh, Fisherman's Friend. Yeah, same. And it helped, it helped a lot. Why is it called that? Okay, well, yeah, I don't know. So we're drinking. So we're in this. Well, now we have nothing. We're we're in but. my hotel room actually, um, and we had to bring all of our chairs into this one little room, and uh, in the setup. So we have mugs for wine because we don't have glasses. So what are we drinking? What, well, we what, have what a do choice. We have, we do have we a have? choice. You'd rather tell them these are blind tasting mugs because they're black. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so we have a Barbera de Alba from 2019. 2019. Uh, the other one is a Waitsmast 2017 Pinot Noir from Mendocino County, which I thought I grabbed something from like Sonoma County, but I guess this will. Pinot Noir sounds look, good to me. This is going to be good. Oh, we can start with the Pinot. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Nice and fruity and light. You're going to have to finish them both anyway. I opened them already. <laughs> Which one of these the old one? Um, the Weights Master apparently is the older one. Damn. In freaking coffee mugs. What God, are we? This is Is this college again? I feel You guys went to a fancy college. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It should be solo cups. Two buck chuck. You guys remember that? Well maybe for yeah, inflation I, probably hit, so for you it's maybe like a dollar chuck. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, that is really bright red. You know, I'm not a I'm not a Pinot guy. Really? No. What do you favor? I, I like um, more full-bodied wines, red wines. Oh, okay, like cabs and things. Yes. That's the extent of knowledge I know about wine. I try to sound I'm sound, <laughs> I'm pretending to know that I know about wine, but I really don't. I I oh. went down to the the ferry terminal building into the wine store and just told them this is this is the kind of grape I like. This is the and what do you got? So. All right. <laughs> Why not a coffee mugs? Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that is... It's wow. like grape juice. That What the hell? It's a grape juice. I haven't had Pinot in so long. This is insane. This is like See, juice. This is... Uh, oh, wait, let me guess the ABV. It's like... It can't be more than... It tastes like a 12, to be honest, but it's a red, so it must be like a 13 at least. What do you think? Oh, I would say 14, but I don't know. 
13.9. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed because I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I don't drink wine. This is light and smooth. I yeah. don't drink a lot? Drink wine. wine. Oh, drink wine. a lot. Oh, I drink a ton, <laughs> just not wine. Bill's like, huh? <laughs> did you get that? Like, I think my voice yeah. cracked right Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a weekend, though. We yes. did a, a lot of drinking was done for sure. Do you guys want to do a recap? Sure. Oh, we can start with Bill, actually. Because you've been to pretty much every wind up. Almost. Like, the first yeah. two I missed. Um, which I, you know, I'm kind of bummed about, especially considering how big a thing it's become and how how great they've they've turned the show uh, into quite such an event. Um, but first one, yeah, I was still in the Chelsea market, and they before they were in like Soho, uh, mm-hmm. with so Chelsea market, you know, it was a couple of years is kind of the same in and same out. So you know, it was good. Uh, nothing like this year. Like they really leveled up this year. What was the uh, the year the first year you went? Oh, I don't remember. Everything's a blur. Like the last two years, I keep forget- I keep skipping those. My kid might as well be like fifteen because I keep <laughs> skipping those two years. Um, twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen? Probably. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yeah. Sixteen. Yeah. Damn. Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, because I remember browsing Warner in twenty sixteen before Notice started. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, Avig was there too, right? Avig was at the... Uh, Christopher Ward as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they've come a long way, uh, yeah. the Warren and Wound team and the Wind Up Watch Fair. Yeah. Chicago in the summer. I'm excited for that, even though we're probably not going to showcase. None of us will be, but we'll be there hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Friday, how did it start for you guys? Let's see. For me, I don't know. It, it was all kind of the same because I didn't have to sell anything in the sense that I didn't have anything to sell. So mm. I was just talking to people and uh, I tried to do my best to, to channel our marketing guy, John, and do my, do my best to, to, to give everybody the spiel we had developed. Um, yeah, because you don't usually solo, right? You're, you're with John usually. Usually, like I... I never thought, like, to be honest, I kind of, I guess I kind of took them for granted at these shows a little bit because, <laughs> you know, you're just, most of the time I'm like, I'm buzzed on coffee and just half drunk with lack of sleep. And so you're just going through the thing, just trying to get through the day. You're still pounding coffee. Uh, and so I'm not really paying attention to whatever he's doing. And so this time, you know, having to talk every single person that came up to the booth, was a bit much and I think you know hopefully we didn't you know upset too many people because I, there was clearly times when I was talking to somebody where someone was looking and then walked away so mm. because there was no one else to, to, well, to talk to them so yeah well actually we had we had people just well one person in particular just come up and just walk away <laughs> like ask questions and just walk away without saying a word but yeah. I think that's more on them than than on you so well I this wasn't this year I had somebody from the press who shall be remain nameless come up, not introduce themselves, take a look at my booth, pull like uh face, and then just walk away. <laughs> I mean, there are some people in the watch community who uh, lack uh, social decorum, yeah, and etiquette. Yeah. So, you know, that's why the that's why the, the bar there. So it, it would help some certain people loosen up. I think, but like yeah. we had some people come by and then. They just seem very nervous to talk to people. Or maybe it was just me and my face. I don't know. No, but, I think a lot of people still aren't, you know, comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely rolled in here just really kind of like a little bit anxious from it. Yeah. 
uh, just because I hadn't seen really anybody they didn't live with uh, for so long, uh, especially not talking to them face to face without a mask on. And I tried it at the beginning to be respectful and wear a mask, but it just got to be too much because they were just a mix of people and they didn't seem to expect me to do it anyway. So, well, now you're stuck in here in this 100 square foot little room with two other dudes <laughs> who you don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is the most interesting podcast setting I think we've ever had. Yeah. Right. I, I also didn't turn that into something lewd. So, but I could have, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, well, we should have waited for that to bring that up when he yeah. was a. Uh, few more drinks then <laughs> yeah how about for you any uh anything noteworthy happened on, on friday yeah um man i think this is the most busy friday we've had at a wind up yeah um, well it, it was our biggest wind up yeah but right. like i don't remember friday being this busy no there wasn't a lot of time for there were only a few moments where we could take a breather yeah and um yeah that's why i really commend people like bill who are like soloing the show yeah didn't have anyone to to swap out with like andrew and yeah. you know I didn't do that by choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, yeah, I realized Friday was the, the day all the people who were intentionally coming to see something specific, they knew what they wanted, so they came uh, in, went to the... I think that was, those, those are the hardcore uh, yeah. wind-up goers. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, they've been following, and they... Like, all the brands, and they knew, they knew what they were trying to look for at the show. Oh, yeah, they made right? a beeline towards, like, the booth, and then they just... Yeah. Because, yeah, we, yeah, we had a wave of sales in like the first two hours on Friday. Oh, interesting. Right? And then nothing. Yeah, for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome seeing people people's faces again. Yeah. Um, we recognize a lot of people that we saw from the Wind Up SF three years ago. Yeah. Oh, neat. Three freaking years ago. Like, I, I still, my <laughs> mind is blown from that. Uh, but like, yeah, people we haven't seen in a long time, we saw them again. Yeah. Um, and again, we don't really come out to the to the Bay Area too often, so it's not like we get to see these guys that often. Yeah, um, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, and the weather was great. It just couldn't have been a better weekend altogether. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're like we were living by the water. Like every morning, just the sun, the sun. My God, the the weather was gorgeous. Like yeah, it wasn't the typical SF weather that you typically think about, which is like overcast, cloudy, whatever. Yeah. Um, oh right. Every morning was blue skies, sun shining. Um, so much so that it gave Billy a bit more optimism. Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. I came out of the terminal building this morning and like overwhelmed with like a modest amount of optimism and, and calm. And I was yeah. just like, this is weird. What's going on? I mean, that's good. It's, a, I mean, this is the first time you've been to the West coast in, in how long? 20 years. It's been 20 years. Yeah. Wow. Come by man. That's like the, we, 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 we operate on a different frequency over here. Yeah. And it was very interesting hearing your perspective of like seeing how people live here and like how weird it is because Wes, <laughs> Wes and I have been or have gotten used to it for a long time. So it's just funny listening and hearing different perspectives. Yeah, like, to a certain yeah. extent, the, 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 even the relative cleanliness of San Francisco is somewhat disturbing compared to like my favorite city in New York. So, mm. well, Paris. I think yeah. it's just this yeah. one specific area because God, <laughs> earlier today when we went up to yeah. that was dirty to the wharf, as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that 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 was closer to what I remember San Francisco being. Yeah, I, I don't even know where we are in, in SF. It's like Rin- Rincon Beach or something. Yeah, it's where all like the the Googles and DocuSign, like all the tech companies are here. Yeah, so, so obviously, the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the people of, here have money. <laughs> Which is probably, I mean, it was definitely strategic picking where the where the show is. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm grateful because before it was in the tenderloin, or as I used to call it, the ribeye. <laughs> the ribeye. That's what I called it in another podcast. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, last time we were here in uh, 2019, I probably told this story before, but in 2019, we were here and we watched a robbery at the CVS across from Holy uh, the store in broad daylight. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, this is just what happens here. <laughs> yeah, but then again, you go to a Walgreens this year and there's a guy with a bulletproof vest and a yeah. sidearm and a yeah. Walgreens. are like, oh, Jesus Christ, where yeah. am I? So what what has changed in uh, in your mind over the past like 10 years of being in this industry? I think oh. there's a... Uh, there's a certain amount of perspective that you have that I don't think anyone else in our segment of the industry has because we're all like new, right? Like we're five years old and apparently we're considered established. I still feel like I'm <laughs> pretending. I don't even feel like it's been 20 years. It's, a lot of it is just a blur. Yeah. Um, so like 10 years ago, that was 2012. So that was a couple of years right after the dot com, like the, uh, the housing crisis. Um, Oh, sorry. Um, the biggest change has probably been that uh, there has just been like a like a, a lot of a consolidation in the, in the industry in the sense that you know, especially like what I loved about like pre two thousand and eight about the watch industry was just the diversity. And you think there was more diversity back then? Well, there was more diversity. Like, say, it's all gone from like. I, I, I kind of break up the industry into, you know, the small players like us, and then you had the mid-sized players like what used to be like Universal Genève or Oris or, you know, or even like Concord watches as, as, as uh, out of left field as that sounds. And then, or even like Sandoz used to have a huge booth at, at Basel World, like Hall 1. And then after the crisis, a lot of those companies got just disappeared. I don't know if they just mm. stopped going to the show or they went out of business and you know, Universal Zenef, I think, obviously went out of business. And then from that period on, you know, the smaller guys like us, you know, became more numerous. And then, you know, all of us, I guess, hoped to get to the mid, you know, the midsize range. Mm. And in some sense, you know, with COVID, uh, we're kind of lucky we didn't get to that point. Because if you had like a strong retail presence, that was like a real killer in the beginning yeah. of COVID, right? Because retailers were like canceling orders left and right, at mm-hmm. least in apparel. I don't know about the watch industry, but they were definitely doing it in apparel. So, What about as far as, uh, as like on the, on the production side? Because one of the things that we talked about, I don't think you were there for, for this part, but we went out for drinks with, uh, with a big group. And one of the things we were talking about was how you started as uh, making parts for Seiko's. Yeah. But you did it at a time when you know, Alibaba wasn't even a thing, you know, getting access to, to, to suppliers were anywhere in the world, China, Switzerland, Japan, wasn't as easy as just going to a website and emailing. So how did you approach it back then versus now? Oh, this is going to sound really crude. It, it was just relatively simple. You'd find somebody, you put money down, you see what you got. And if it wasn't all jacked up, you would do it again. So mm. <laughs> but how did you find someone? Did you, did you go to Basel World? Did you trade shows? Other times it was like recommendations from vendors that I already had because, you know, um, and other times it was just, you know, I had this one person that I worked with. At the beginning, she repped several different companies. So obviously she'd push me to the other companies that she repped. And sometimes they worked out, sometimes they didn't. Mm. Um, and it's just been like a process of attrition, right? So it, it's, and attrition's expensive. So I need to ask the hard questions because uh, I, I think our listeners want us to do that. And <laughs> Oh, no. It'll get harder the more booze we go through, so that it, 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 it becomes easier. But I, I want to start by saying, uh, 
the setup that you had at Wind Up this year was pretty simple compared to your New York one. Totally. Uh, and a, a big part of it was because you didn't, you don't have anything to sell. A lot of it had a lot like that. And also I'm just, I, I tend to spend way too much time obsessing over, you know, I spend way too much time looking at bezel inlays and whether yeah. they're straight or not. And even after I've set mm-hmm. them, I look at them and like, is it straight enough? As if there was anything I could really do about it at that moment. Yeah. Like, as if I'm going to start ripping them out and putting new ones in and doing that like six times over before yeah. I sell something. Um, well, I, I appreciate the simplicity. I was like, honestly, I was a little nervous when we were talking before, uh, like weeks ago, preparing for the show. I was like, yeah, send over whatever. We'll drive it up for you. I was like, in the back <laughs> of my head, I'm like, I hope it's not like a New York style setup. <laughs> Yeah, watch out. Yeah. yeah, there's also like a box of really sharp knives in yeah. there. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, you, you don't you didn't have anything to sell at this show. No. Uh, why? Uh, simply because we got people on pre-orders, yeah. and um, you know, we don't want a front runner on customers. Mm. And a lot of this, like to be honest, I really wish I didn't have to sell at these shows because. And I know that seems kind of weird because if you yeah. actually come specifically to buy stuff at these shows, then that's going to really just be a downer. Yeah. <laughs> You're not being able to get that instant gratification. Um, and maybe this is, you know, maybe I'm just too selfish in this regard. But, you know, I really appreciate talking to customers, especially like the people on the West Coast mm-hmm. this year. You know, like, oh, I'm a big fan. You know, I've been, I bought, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I don't know. It's just, it's different when it comes across on email in a yeah. sense, right? And people are like, oh, you know, this is great. I'm like, oh, it's great. You know, and there's also like, at the time, there's like six other problems you're dealing with at the yeah. same time. Whereas yeah. at the show, you're just at the show. And um, so in, you know, I, I guess part of it is that I, I, I really hope, like, I don't know, you think about like the, the connections you made at the beginning of the hobby when it was small and no one really cared what you were doing and you were saying to your wife or girlfriend, oh, oh, don't mind me. I'm going to go meet some guys I met on the internet as if that was, you know, like, I was like semi-dangerous at the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was it. And uh, it also freed me up to be able to really talk to people yeah. as opposed to trying to sell and do that at the same time. That would have been, you know, thinking back, uh, over the course of the weekend and how busy I was. I'm really glad I didn't even try. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's a good point. I hate selling, but I love talking about the brand, oh. but I just, I had to ask that because I, uh, one of my friends came, you, you met him, Nick, uh, <laughs> and he, and he was, he was asking me what are my favorites. And obviously the paradigm was one of my favorite watches at the show. And he tried to buy one and he got mad at me that he couldn't. So I just had to ask that. So sorry, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Along the lines of selling at the booth, like, it wasn't something that we ever focused on. Yeah. And it yeah. really still isn't. Um, however, it's, like, it's not fun. It's right? not fun whatsoever yeah. because I feel like I'm just peddling a product on like the side of a street, like selling snake oil to someone. Damn, Bill, you're downing that fast. It's easy. It's like, it's grape it's, juice. It's really good. It's like Welch's. But uh, like, I hate talking pricing, but like, I did notice that this year's fair had a lot more casual. Stroller buyers, or, yeah, or what, Interesting. what are they called? Uh, yeah, casual collectors, just, just normal yeah. foot traffic from random people who aren't exactly watch enthusiasts, yeah. And then they're all very interested in price, yeah, that's oh, true. Interesting, and okay. um, I just when I talk to people, I'm not really talking about price, I'm talking right. about who we are, it, yeah. It's a very boring thing to talk exactly. about, it's a number, right? I never but, talk about price, yeah. And then they always ask me, and that's that's when I bring it up, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, 
but I noticed that this crowd, I think it attracted a lot of more casual people, which um, honestly is very, it's interesting because it's not like Chelsea Market where yeah. it's tons of tourists just walking through. Yeah. Day, but like every minute of the day, there's, there's like hundreds of people. Yeah. This is just uh, a random venue, a random venue in like the financial district. Yeah. I actually felt like it was on, on the extremes because there were the, uh, obviously the casuals that didn't really know that much about the brands, but there were also the hardcore mm. enthusiasts that were coming t- to see specific things and knew a lot about the industry. Like I, I remember, um, and again, the, this was another guy who was talking to me about Bill, but he was fanboying <laughs> super hard because, I mean, you've never, well, you have, you've been here before, but not since Mark II, right? Oh. And like like meeting customers in a setting like this. and No, the yeah. last time I was here, I actually, the last get-together I did was also 20 years ago. Like during oh, my wow. brother's graduation, so like you did I, a get together for Mark II. Yeah, but it was like you know an, an MWR oh, wow. military watch collectors meet. It wasn't uh, like a meet oh, Bill you, yeah. you like I was one, You did one for Key West. I did one for no, not out here. Like, no, I, no, oh, no, oh, 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 you're talking about specifically out here. Well, yeah, yeah, because the people here don't, you know, not not all of them go to like, yeah, yeah, New yeah. York wind up gotcha. and uh, yeah. So yeah, being but, Bill's first West Coast wind up, I think that brought in a lot more traffic than uh, than people think. Just, really? Okay. I think so. I mean, just, just because like the uh, the intensity of the uh, the the fanboy, like like when people come to see Bill Yao or uh, you know, Fair has a lot of really rabid fans out here too. They're like here to see that one thing. Everything else is just like a, a bonus. Bill Yao, you mentioned earlier. Um, I always call you by your full name, <laughs> Bill Yao. <laughs> Um, <laughs> first name's Mister. Actually. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you felt that this crowd, or maybe it's the location, it's the demographic, either that their enthusiasm was a bit more authentic or or genuine, or they just seem a bit more relaxed and less critical, or just more laid back compared to what you're used to. Yeah, I, I, I n- nothing on New York City, and then maybe it has something to do with COVID and people actually finally being able to get out and do things, even if they're they're going to want a double mask or something like that. Just the the opportunity to do something because even before now, I can't imagine anybody in the right mind be like, I want to do an in person event, you know, and I want it to be big. Um, so, like in New York, you know, maybe they're just much more willing to just do a drive-by just shout out some obnoxious question or just to be honest be a little bit racist about you know you know where they think our stuff is made and how we do it so but here i didn't get that but i i i got the impression that other people did get some of that and i don't know why i was spared because usually i'm not you know maybe it's the camo jackets that really you know set them off and thought that i was capable of things that i really aren't capable of (laughs) so i like the jacket man you should you sh- you should keep that for uh, for the New York one too. Oh, I'm totally gonna do that for New I, York. I really like yeah. the one today. Yeah, oh, that's you like the one like a fashionable like yeah. piece that like I would even like I would love to be able to pull off. I just can't. I don't have the confidence. No, you, you could totally do it. And then like I think the only reason why it's more fashionable is uh, the guy that did it was here, and his name is Christophe Laurent. And so you know you you have expectations that mm. you know they wow. know more about uh, making things easy. Making hard things look easy, which did, is what he does. Did people well. ask you about your outfit? It's funny enough, they did. Really? Yeah. It, was, it was cool. Wait, the one today or yesterday? 
Both. So, like, you know, the uh, Nelly, who, you know, hit it out of the park and, and organized the show uh, and kind of ran the show uh, during the last three days, she was asking me about it because her significant other really liked it and wanted to know where it was from. And, you know, that was kind of the point, too, also, of doing the jacket because a lot of this stuff, uh, like the really cool clothing, is just like cool watches as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's usually done by really passionate people that spend so much time making the things, they don't really have enough time to promote the things. And even though, like, you know, Christoph is, is like a huge name in, in this kind of, in I don't know what you would call it, you know, the in that corner of the fashion world that he's in, um, and he certainly doesn't need help from me. Um, but, you know, I, I really liked his work, and if it helps, you know, get his uh, work out into a different segment of the market, you know, I'm happy to do it. And, you know, because this stuff is super cool, and mm-hmm. the stories behind it, the thoughtfulness of his product isn't just about, you know, getting skews into, okay, I got to fill out, you know, these four racks of clothes at Nordstrom's, you know, what am I going to do? You know, he's very, very thoughtful about the stuff that he makes and, you know, and how it's presented and the story behind it, you know, it all has like a reason for being. So mm. one thing I was wondering and, and, uh, I never asked you about was, uh, this Torneck Rayville brand. You know, I, I know a lot about the brand just from conversations with you, but I'm curious, how did you come upon it? Like, how is it, how is it where it is now? Um, I don't know. Like, uh, so it was just the thing where I, I was just collecting watches and it kept showing up, and I thought, oh, this thing's amazing. And, and you know, reading through the old mill specs and... Real quick for uh, people who don't know what it is. Oh, I'm sure. So, Tornick Rabel was a... I don't know, you can't even really call it a company or a brand. It was just a way of kind of like backdooring your way into a, like a U.S. Defense Department contract. So, back then, there was a request put out for... Uh, what do they call it? Uh, request for proposals, like an RFP for a combat dive watch. And only only two companies ended up submitting proposals. One of them was Balaba, and the other one was Tornak Rayville in kind of like Blanc Pun in disguise, you know, mm. seriously. And because of the Buy American Act, uh, which I think in, in a more watered-down degree is still in, in effect today, they, you know, basically, if an American company could go, could, could do it, they would choose an American company. Did they have to be physically made here too? I don't know because the only thing I know about it, and I never really researched it to that extent, is that apparently there must have been some sort of like uh, percentage of U.S. content in the watch, and so the famous story is is that. To meet that content, they bought the jewels they needed for the movements, or quote unquote needed for the movements, from American sources. And then, you know, since they had their own sources in Switzerland, they just got the package and threw it in the garbage because they really didn't. They just mm. bought it so that they could meet the requirement. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's why it has a different name, and it was, you know, done through a, a company in the U.S. So it kind of like ticked all the boxes, but you know it was a Swiss watch and in, in kind of like American clothing, so hmm. to speak. And how did you uh, come upon it? Um, I was just a collector, and at the same time, you know, I was doing a lot of research into just watches in particular, and I realized that the mark was just available, and like literally nobody wanted it, and it was just like, why the hell would nobody want it? Like this is like an iconic. Hmm. 
you know, just the name itself is just um, iconic in its identification with like, you know, the studies and observations group and Force Recon and the um, Navy SEALs or the UDT, hmm. you know, all of those groups. And I just couldn't understand why it had, you know, it, it had been essentially abandoned. And, and over the, and it's become a thing where I thought it was really, really important to a, like American watchmaking and to the history of the American military because it is, you know, it's almost like, you know, the, the Speedmaster. It's something you can hold that went to the moon, so to speak, but it's not really the watch that went to the moon. Mm. And this is like iconic in the sense that, you know, this was the name that, you know, stared back at guys when, you know, they were like, you know, in the jungle or, you know, underwater and, and doing these, you know, amazing things. And more than anything, the, the watches are there. It's not really in my mind, at least from my look at it, isn't really the engineering that I get behind. It's more of the, you know, what they symbolize and, and who and the stories that they kind of connect you with of, you know, who wore it doing this, that and the other thing. And over the years, it's become even more significant only because, like, for example, I read a book about the, I, I did a lot of, like, reading about the, the Vietnam War back in the 80s and early 90s when I was growing up, just because the, the whole conflict fascinated me. And, and the reality is, is that, you know, faced with what, in hindsight, was essentially an impossible situation, you know, how did these guys respond to it? And these guys, you know, the, the way they, they, they tackled the, the problems was just amazing and their mm. perseverance, their ingenuity. And, you know, it was really inspiring for me uh, back in high school, uh, reading these stories. And it really kind of got me through a lot of rough periods, you know, just thinking about these guys and thinking about how bad they must have had it. But then they still were able to kind of, you know, go beyond the situation and, and still keep pushing. And so... That's what inspired me, and that's why I like these watches. That's why I like the uh, the concept of Tornik Rabel and, and its potential. Um, not so much for you know, oh, a blank pan was you know issued to American you know swimmers or whatever. That that really doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't mean anything to me. Um, do you still have uh, some of the vintage pieces? Some of the vintage pieces? No, I, even back then I couldn't afford them. Hmm. So like you know, a Tornik Rabel back in like two thousand back in 2000 was like $10,000. Wow. Technically I could have afforded it, but I would never have been able to stomach yeah. it. And I don't know in back then, even, you know, the Promethean 147 of the watch. And uh, on top of that, you know, I wore everything that I had. Yeah. And if it wasn't serviceable, it wasn't functional, functional in that sense, I would get rid of it essentially, mm. which is why I don't have a lot of my watches from that period of time, which in retrospect, it was a really bad idea considering how much they work now. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So what happens if uh, if someone that has an original Torneck Rayville comes to you saying, hey, my watch is broken? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to tell them this end of the blank pen. Like, the way I look at it is that it's like anything else. It's like, you know, look at our marks, look at your, your trademark and mine, you know. We buy stuff from vendors, and in my perspective, Blancpain was no different than another vendor. Yeah, and so they're not really the essence of the brand. The essence of the brand is what we do with it, and if we're just consistent with the ethos of what ethos of what the brand means, mm -hmm. not necessarily, you know, to any technical specification. Mm. So, so what year did you acquire the the name? Oh, that was the one thing that I should have looked up before I did. Uh, before I got out here, I have no idea. It's been more like 10 years because oh, after wow. like nine or 10 years, you have to, 
you have to renew your registration, which I've done at least once. And so I know it's been more than 10 years, but outside of that, I can't remember what year it was, really. Wow. So you had it for that long, but you didn't you launch any, it. Yeah. It was just yours. I tried. I tried to launch it, and I got 10 pieces out the door, you know, at the very beginning. Hmm. And so in between then and there, then and now, I've just been trying to produce more pieces um, and trying to get the the design right to get the line up the right vendors and things like that. Because back then, like doing a sapphire glass inlay was essentially impossible. The only yeah. company that did it was Blanc mm. And acrylic, I, <laughs> so I actually tried making my own acrylic inlays at the very beginning under the premise of how hard can it be, right? <laughs> And Famous that, last words. Yeah, that, yeah, that went sideways really fast. Yeah. And then through another vendor, I had some made, and then the plastic, apparently, if you use the wrong kind of plastic, as it cools, it will ripple. Hmm. And so the only reason why I ever got 10 pieces made of, like, quote-unquote, the Gen 2 version of the Tornick Rebuild is because I had to actually sand down all of the... Like, I guess I didn't have to do it, but I, I, I insisted on sanding down all the inlays until they were flat. And then in a series of laborious processes, uh, polished them back to a high gloss. And the problem with that really is, is that if you don't clean every, through every stage meticulous, meticulously, whatever's left over on the part or in your hands or in whatever cloth you're using or just hanging out on the workbench will scratch it again because you're using a finer grit mm. the next time. Yeah, and then yeah. you'd have to start that whole process all over again. And it was like taking me like four or five hours per part. And I'm just looking at this. I'm like, I have more than 10 orders, but at the same, I just, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to finish all these watches. I'm like literally <laughs> going blind. My hands are just getting ruined. Uh, trying to finish these damn things. And I still, I was blasting watch cases. Like I was using the Stingray and I was blasting all the watch cases, cleaning those watch cases, and then assembling the movements, doing the inlays. And, mm. you know, God forbid I didn't put it on straight at the end. So, yeah, that's crazy. Can't imagine. Now that, uh, now that it's launched though, what's the direction uh, of, of TR and Mark II? Like, are they going to move in parallel? Are they going to. How, how are you going to differentiate between the two and divide your time up? Um, that's really the tricky part in that it's almost like being also it's like voluntarily developing a multiple multiple personality disorder. Uh, so Tornek, we want to try to keep it on focus on the serviceman, on his ingenuity, on his humanity uh, in particular, just because I think too much focus is given up on given or provide or spent on. You know, what was your kill ratio and things like that. And part of that is just, you know, that's what they also did in Vietnam. It's mm. like, how many bodies did you did you rack up for every one of your own? And, you know, that's not really something we keep track of anymore. But, you know, we definitely did in a weird and kind of dark way back yeah. in Vietnam, as if we were going to be able to industrialize war in that way. Um, <clears throat> so... And so the humanity of the people that are behind these actions really gets lost, I think, in that, especially with, like, the way America kind of reconciled with the war and what happened and what went terribly wrong. You know, in some sense, we just forgot about the fact that some of those things didn't, went really well, but mm. the leadership just never really latched onto it and used it. 
and leveraged it the way they, they could have or should have in hindsight anyway. So, uh, you know, a lot of their stories get lost. And, um, you know, the way they were treated when they came home was, you know, I think by all accounts, all of us agree in hindsight was a terrible tragedy and a huge mm. mistake. And what we've done is we've learned from it, which is great. But now we have to go the extra step of, you know, digging back, digging the history back up and then just, you know, reincorporating it into what we understood things to be from that period of time. Mm. And um, and then just remember these people as human beings, not just, you know, killing machines or things like that. And, but that's what people tend to focus on. It's yeah. like, you know, how fast, you know, can you kill someone with a drinking straw or something yeah. like that? So, and for Mark too, we're just trying to figure it out because it's a little bit too much like, um, right now it's a little bit too much like a, like, you know, Bill Yow's stream of consciousness ideas, <laughs> and, you know, what I feel like doing right now, which is not necessarily a good idea. Um, you know, like the Crucible, I just... I felt like this had to exist because it was such an iconic watch and um, no one seemed to want to do it. No one wanted to seem wanted to give it its credit. No one wanted to seem to put the kind of money behind it that it deserved mm. in my mind. And don't get me wrong, this was not by any means a home run for us. But, you know, to me, that's really, really important that it's more than just the financial, you know, return on investment mm. is about telling those stories. It's about giving people the opportunity to kind of experience these designs even though like for what we did with the crucible is substantially bigger than what they would yeah. have worn back in the war so you said uh it wasn't a home run no. um yeah wes wanted one and he actually got one so that's one data point for you in the future <laughs> <laughs> i got a hand delivered too yeah <laughs> that's a data point for you in the future if wes yeah. wants it maybe you should do something else no <laughs> <laughs> no it's true it's true but uh yeah i remember that and you still have it, obviously. Yeah. Um, you're not an idiot like me who, who sells, sells all his watches. All your nice ones. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Some get stolen, too. Yeah. So, but that's another story. Um, in my head, I'm going through uh, the Rolodex of questions that uh, I, I told a bunch of people that were going to get you on the podcast. I'm just trying to go through the questions that they want me to ask you. And one of them is, can you do the fulcrum again? Yeah, I had another guy come in today and ask, "Can you do it again?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again." Well, yeah, like, I I that was you who asked it again. yesterday. Yeah, it was me, but it was like there was another another person. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. No, well, you know, at, at this rate, we I guess we're gonna have to do it. Yeah, uh, it's just a matter of you know, looking and waiting for the you know, just pushing as hard as you can while the supply chain completely unfucks itself because yeah. <laughs> it will eventually unfuck itself. It, you know, if, if we got through, you know, the pandemic of whatever, 1960, 1970, whatever it was, yeah. you know, we can sure as hell get through this, you know. Cool. Let me know. I'll be first in line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I had so many plans for that watch. I'm still so bummed about the fact that we only got 25 out of the plan 300 ever done. So. Are you uh, are you willing to share some of those plans before, like? Yeah, <laughs> let, let's just keep that a fun secret for now. Okay. So okay, it probably won't matter considering like the focus on vintage watches and the obvious you know answers to that question. Yeah. But you know, let's just even just conserve the mystery. I yeah. Guess it is. Okay. That's a that's a good tease. <laughs> the Bill Yao Book yeah. of Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> As you think of your. Idea of your questions, I can just bullshit. Yeah, keep bullshitting. I can, oh, <laughs> was that our first swear word? Yeah, surprisingly, it means and we're not drinking fast enough. Well, no, no, he definitely said the f bomb earlier. So. Me or him? Uh, Wes. Okay. okay. Good wow. Job, good. 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 We're safe then. We're safe. Then. And I did use the s word earlier too. 
What's the S word? Shit. Oh, that's a, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a swear word? Oh, I just said bullshit, huh? <laughs> yeah. Shit is like on... Shit and ass or like anything related down there is, is like the lowest level of, of, of swear words, in my opinion. Yeah. Did you ever like, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but I had a cousin come in from Taiwan and he was like getting his graduate degree, which is kind of funny because he was getting like a master's degree or a PhD in like medical statistics. And the mouth of the guy was just like, you know, he had like apparently like watched Animal House or something. And like every other word out of his mouth was like, you know, fuck and shit. Yeah. Now, this is before like that was like what apparently everyone's doing now. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to like, dude, you got to slow mm-hmm. that down. Like people, <laughs> you can't talk like that now. At least at the time anyway. I was going to say he probably watched some raunchy uh, movies or TV shows. I think that was all the, the 80s was, wasn't it? You know, you know, like, you know, what was that, Kurt? What was that? Revenge of the Nerds and things like that. And, you know, those kind of Animal House, which apparently when I was in elementary school, one of my classmates' parents thought was a Disney movie. Oh, no. And then dropped her kid off. And then he watched Animal House. <laughs> I don't even know what He was that is, like in elementary school. <laughs> do you know what that is? I've heard of it. Yeah. But if you it's ask before me. before her time. I don't think I was born yet. Well, you look it up. It's, it is definitely not a Disney movie. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I want to. I don't even get, if it was I Animal Farm or like George Orwell, that wouldn't have really been a good idea. So. <laughs> uh, general thoughts on San Francisco. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I had a expectation after three years of not being here. Uh, and then, you know, COVID happening and all that. And I see the the change that LA is going through. I had the expectation that this place was going to be an absolute zoo. Again, mm, interesting. I think it had to do with where we are. If we had more yeah. perspective of San Francisco as a whole and the exact location that we're in, maybe it would make more sense. Mm. Mm. So apparently we're in a nice area. <laughs> <laughs> and... I don't know what could have give, given that away. The clean streets or the everyone going to yoga class in the morning on Saturdays with their <laughs> with their purebred dogs. Yeah, everyone has a dog here. Everyone has a purebred, yeah. amazing, beautiful, cute dog. Yeah. I'm jealous. But maybe it was that. Maybe it was the Ferraris and, and, and Lambos. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I know, yeah. A Ferrari in a city is a huge statement, right? Yeah. That, so. That's kind of, yeah. So maybe it was that. Um, but honestly, like, I have no perspective of where I am in the city. Yeah. Or of the city in general. No, but I mean, I was I was prepared to go to the Warren and Wild guys and say, "Hey, let's move this. Let's not do San Francisco again." <laughs> oh, but I, I enjoyed it. And but then, uh, yeah, after yeah. after the show, I'm like, "This was sweet." Like, so this I'll is do sweet. Do, yeah. do this and SD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all yeah. all all do credit to a lot of the people that came to the show. Like, apparently, like for San Franciscans, is it's a bit of a trek, and yeah. they still yeah. made it. Like, they made it out. Yeah, and, like it's really not near anybody's house, really, because no. As much as like there are residential buildings in this town, part of the town, most of it is office buildings. Like mm-hmm. you know, all the coffee shops are closed on Sunday because they don't expect anybody to be here. So. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't find a breakfast place. Yeah, this morning we had to go to a brekkie place. <laughs> a brekkie place, <laughs> and everything went wrong. <laughs> yeah, we just weren't used to the uh, the hemisphere that we were in. Yeah, and then the coffee was served in a milk jug or something was that was hot like, as hell. Hot as hell. <laughs> The knife tried to kill you. The knife tried to kill me on its own, of <laughs> yeah. its own volition. The app didn't work to order the food, and then instead of... Yeah, we're being passed by potentially self-driving cars. Yeah. Yes. So, so the world moves in many directions. Yeah. And uh, so you're not doing Chicago, but you are doing New York. Oh, yeah. Like, 
even if it was just me, I would do New York. Yeah. Did did they say New York is in the same uh, same venue or is it in a new one? No, it's a new venue. It's not that far from the old one. Yeah. Um, and you know, if it's anything like San Francisco, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Because like this is like, I've said it before, and I I'm really not trying to blow smoke up their asses, but seriously, like this is kind of like when you first go to like well. When you would have first gone to Basel World, like I did, like in two thousand seven, I guess it was, or two thousand six, you know, you're like, oh, this is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna see like all, like you know, I'm gonna see Omegas, I'm gonna see Rolexes, I'm gonna see Pateks, you're gonna see them all in the same building, whatever. You go in there, and it's just like it looks like someone took like a town that was all just watch companies and then just jammed them into this huge warehouse. It looked like an artificial town with watch companies in it. And then they were just kind of like, fuck off. You know, you have any yeah. money? You know, are you press? Like, kiss my ass. You can't see the watches. You know, kind of like, that sucks. Yeah. Like, you know, so I would always see them because, well, one of my friends who shall not remain, well, shall remain nameless, mm-hmm. um, kind of bought a forged press credentials and was able to get like press credentials for Basel World. So wow. like one year I found myself inside the Breitling booth looking at a $20,000 limited edition Breitling when at the time the boss of Breitling was notorious for basically wiring the entire booth of video cameras. And whomever was not, was like lingering too long he would like contact somebody in that vicinity and be like, why is this person here? What are they doing? You know, and if they weren't buying anything, like get them out of here. Wow. And so we lasted about 15 minutes before, you know, the guy was like, I got to get you out of here because it's like in any longer, the boss from like, you know, Breitling is going to figure out what we're doing and <laughs> what we're doing is not selling you anything. Got to get you the fuck out of here. Um, what were you doing at Basel world? I was like meeting vendors. I was looking for vendors. Um, you know, back then you could there was still like a strong vendor presence, mm. um, and as the years went on, uh, MCH, the company that ran the show, in some sort of weird kind of like, I don't know what the hell they were thinking because these guys were paying money, mm-hmm. right? Somehow, for some reason, they tried to squeeze the people out of the show, and um, and they did were doing a really good job of it. So yeah. those vendors started going away for some reason, and then the the show kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, but obviously the Rolexes and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Like if you wanted to buy watches, that part, you know, mm. was still like fully stocked. But, you know, the rest of the buildings were still, you know, they're still paying for them, right? Yeah. And yeah. They were still open. And so you figure you'd want to jam as many people in there as you could, right? So, but, you know, what really sucked was that you just went in there and it wasn't what you thought it was. You weren't going to see the new watches because like at the time, like digital photography, um, was a big thing mm. and so people were like shooting photographs and then because it was so much easier to shoot photographs of the watches than export them to some you know black market maker in asia and then copy it you know they were like you know they were they stopped a lot of makers stopped exhibiting the watches in the hall mm. because at the time you weren't allowed to take photos but because the photos like you know the digital camera was getting smaller and smaller and smaller it was easier to just like you know kind of surreptitiously take photographs of the new watches um and then like you know you go on a worn and wound and you're, you're talking to the makers like you're not gonna like you see like someone like mark hayek at the mm. blank pen booth and whatever but you're not gonna talk to him right you know you see the guy that runs omega but you're not gonna talk to him you know you see the person of 
one of the uh, again, so remain nameless. One of the major brands at Basel World uh, was one of the CEOs was a woman, and watching her swear her way through the turnstiles because she's very she's apparently late for a very important meeting. But the f bombs this woman was dropping was hilarious. <laughs> You know, I, I actually was in front of her and I kind of just let her through because she was clearly very agitated, you know. And um, so, you know, you're not going to you're not going to see that. No one's going to let you try anything on. You know, yeah. that's not going to happen, you know. And so and then, you know, just being in the space and like paying, you know, whatever, like six dollars for a coffee or whatever, you know. But, you know, which it is was, normal now, but I'm sure back then. That's yeah, like, that back then was expensive. <laughs> You know, but they didn't. They didn't. They didn't emphasize seating because they didn't want you to sit. They yeah. wanted you to buy stuff and get out, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and do your business and get as many people through the building as possible. And you know, the wind up is completely different. A completely different animal. It's just what you thought it would be. Yeah, right? it feels like anti that. Right? Yeah, like a lot of brands weren't selling. Yeah, and yeah. that's the beautiful thing about the show, right? Is that just being able to experience it, being able to you know just talk to people. I spent like. 10 minutes talking to a guy about like you know Albert Sieberstein chronographs and things like that and I really enjoyed it like I didn't care he was going to buy it and watch it I, yeah. I didn't care that he, like the, he very said he said to me very plainly like I love your stuff but it's too similar to the stuff I already have so I'm not really interested you know but I I really I wanted to talk to him about like the Cartier tank or you know the, the Silverstein watch and stuff like that you know that's the fun part you know? yeah your story's just Chronicle yeah, a time that just, I, I don't know, you just don't hear about anymore, ever. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, you mean like the watch company that held a party and um, they served sushi on a naked woman? Yes. Yeah, so like <laughs> this, this. I won't tell you who, which brand it was, but this, that uh, definitely happened. This stuff, they're tall tales. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, th this is a side of, of uh, your experiences, yes. which make people fanboy about you i mean you're well i wish i had been like, at that dinner party but i wasn't yeah. i heard about it secondhand <laughs> but this perspective is 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 obviously fascinating yeah um yeah. no one i should say yeah. yeah of course it is because this stuff wouldn't happen nowadays yeah yeah it sounds very foreign to us because yeah. that's like, I, I think kind of it happens we don't do it but yeah. i'm sure the big brands still kind of do oh, weird stuff you well know, that no yeah. one wants to talk about you know that's funny though because i was talking i don't remember who i was talking to it's like I, I never met this person before but uh, I mentioned the first windup that you and I went to when we first met Bill, but we weren't showcasing, right? But there was that night in karaoke with uh, you know Zach and Mike and all those guys, <laughs> and uh, this and we, I brought it up. I was like, "Yeah, it was an amazing time. We didn't showcase." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I heard about that night. I saw pictures." I'm like, well, "What? <laughs> no, you <laughs> guys are legends like, <laughs> in your own rights <laughs> at this point." So. I'm like, was it was it that big of a deal? I don't know, man. <laughs> well. The legend of wind-up after parties is is something. Yeah, yeah, always. But it felt like that was the first year where things started going a little crazy. Like even I, I talked to Steve about it and he said before that, well, not that many shenanigans. You guys are the catalyst. Like you guys are the catalyst. <laughs> Speaking of 2018 New York, I, I do want to talk about that um, because it was a pivotal point for, for me and you mm -hmm. and notice. Yeah, yeah. Um, like back in that day, you know, we were still... I don't even know what we released. We haven't even released the Avalon yet. Um, yeah, we hadn't. Yeah, that's it was true. October that, 2018. That, that's a watch. I remember we uh, we met Blake outside yes. and showed him that watch, and he said, yeah, you guys should uh, showcase next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, you guys are really lucky because other people that I saw were less like, yes. Blake were like, you guys got to get it. Yep. You can't show your watches. Yeah, we, we <laughs> didn't pay for this booth. I, yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> We've yeah. seen that too. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
So that was also the first time we've we met Bill Yao. Yeah. Um, Jason. Yeah. Steve actually yeah. too. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty much everyone up until that point, we never went to an event. Like that was the first time we went to a, a, a watch thing. Yeah. I, I briefly met Jason and Steve and wind up 2018 uh, SF. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's right. But first oh, time wow. we both probably met them. Actually went out with them. Yeah. yeah. So it was a big deal. Um, though I. Okay. <laughs> I do want to ask Bill Yao a funny question. Okay. Um, Mr. Mr. Bill Yao. Oh, yeah. Mr. Bill Yao. Um, he's forever going to be Bill Yao. Yeah. He's never he's never Bill. Well, because, like, we can't, we can't just say Bill, because, like, well, yeah. to be fair, I don't know any other Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he could easily be Bill, but, yeah, he's Bill Yao. He's Bill Yao. Um, I do want to ask you... Uh, what was your first impression of him, and what was your first impression of me? Oh, like. Meanwhile, while you think about that, I'm gonna try to find the picture that we took. The, the actually, like within five minutes oh, yeah, of meeting you, yeah. I, I think I still have it. Yeah. I know this is it. gonna sound kind of hokey, but like you know, like I was an investment banker, and so in that sense, we're just kind of like, um, very like super aggressive people, very like zero sum kind of people. Uh, and I think by that point, I had written, I had read a book that was like really important to me at the time. It was, uh, oh, what the hell was it called? It was, I think it was called Givers and Takers by Adam Grant. And it, unfortunately, like Adam Grant's a professor at Wharton. And unfortunately, I missed him by about three years. And he started teaching there, I think, in 2006, 2007. And I graduated in 03. And, um, it really kind of changed my perspective on people in general. Like, honestly, like if I'm going to be perfectly honest, if I had met you like in before I had read that book, I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, fuck off, you know, you know, figure it out yourself. And I really would have done that. Like I, I and I realized that, you know, and, I, and I, no one is like that because they want to be right. They, they, they do that because they think they have to be that way. Mm. And I everyone uh, would come to you. Right? Yeah, everyone would be like, hey, Bill, give me some help. No, Advice. no, like, you know, I felt really bad. There was a guy that, you know, since then he's, like, gotten much bigger than me, um, came to me for help, and I just wouldn't do it because I'm just kind of like, you're, you're too much of a threat to me. Mm. And, um, and then, you know, and that guy in Adam Grant's book, you know, immediately made me think about, you know, there is a better way to compete. There is a better way. There is – it isn't a zero-sum game if unless you – want it to be mm-hmm. really and so at you know that changed the way i looked at things and 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 more now is like you know if you're really sincere about what you're doing and by sincere also meaning just like you know i like what you're doing i'd like a piece of that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, yeah um you know i'm i'm willing to help people that i feel like can be helped in if you know what i mean like mm. some people just like no matter what you tell them, they're just going to like, okay, I'm really sorry. I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're just never going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're just not going to get it. Or you're just going to be like, you're not going to be able to push through like the really fucked up shit that is manufacturing. Like mm-hmm. one of my classmates at, at school well, used to work for General Motors. And he said there's only two kinds of people at General Motors. There's really old guys and there's really young guys. Because... You know, the rate of attrition, because, like, manufacturing is, like, a whole different animal, which mm-hmm. I didn't understand at the time. If I'd known it at the time, I probably wouldn't have done it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so <clears throat> there are people who just get the sense, like, you know, if you can't deal with this, you're just – there's not really a lot of point 
and giving you kind of like the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, you know, and telling you how to do things and what to do. Um, do you get a lot of people asking for advice and help? No, not really. Uh, partially because I'm usually either too busy or, you know, one of, one of my shortcomings is really that I'm much more, I'm much too task oriented. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. I could be going to the post office and I love the people at my post office. Uh, but I never really spend time talking to them because that is I'm, such a strange, sorry. That is such a strange thing to hear. I love the people <laughs> at my post office. Yeah. Like I got Pat, I got Maria, wait, wait, you know, I got Carmen. I found it. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. that's definitely post Adam Grant because I'm wearing the overalls. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of the part that that's me of like I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm gonna do whatever <laughs> I want. I'm gonna wear whatever I want. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I don't care what you think. <laughs> but yeah, so. again, that 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 perspective that you loving people at your post office clearly you live in a smaller area, less or a more. Oh, like even when I lived in Forest Hills, New York, I I didn't like. That, that place was a madhouse. But, okay. you know, they were really cool. Like, they would help you when they could. But you go to the Forest Hills Post Office, and there's, like, literally six different accents. No one speaks English as a first language. And no one has come from the same country. So I didn't even know how they res- they corresponded with each other behind the glass. So The main thing I'm familiar with at my post office yeah. is the metal chute that you put your packages into. <laughs> last thing I want to do at a post office in America is talk to one of the workers because as you know they I don't know about you but in LA they are the most they are extremely slow and inefficient and the last thing I want to do is be standing in line to do something so basic no if you go to my post office in my town and you don't like the service I will fight you outside the post office like I love those people those people are awesome I I am I I don't I'm I'm at a loss for words because I don't even know (laughs) you don't know what that's like Like the post office is where you want to spend the least amount of time because it is grimy and the the workers don't want to help you. The only problem with my post office is is that I was like my my daughter's a big fan of Parks and Rec, and so she got me into it. Yep. And there's this one thing where like Leslie Nope is giving a tour or something like that of of the building at in I don't know what fictitious town it was I can't remember Pawnee. Pawnee, and there's like this mural of like a like the. Let's just call them the uh, the the settlers of the Western Plains, mm-hmm. standing over the body of an yeah. Ameri- of an of, of a Native American. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's really funny. Like that would never happen." And then <laughs> I go into my post office, and I've been there. Like, I've been in the post office for like every like weekend for like ten years, and never look to my left. I look to my left, look up, and I'm kind of like, "And there is a colonial man <laughs> standing." astride the body of a Native American. I'm like, holy shit. I thought that was just like, you know, some sort of weird thing that people came up with. And it's like, it's fucking there on the wall, you know. But I still love my post office. I love my postmaster, even though that's the mural above his office. So, Damn, you even know the postmaster? Yeah, he's a really nice guy. Wow. I'm not saying he can solve all my problems, but they do their best. And that's all I ask. All right, I'm ready for the next bottle. Well, yeah, because you pour the, the rest into our cups. You, <laughs> I'm still not ready. I wanted I wanted the strong one. This is 15. percent Tell me what oh, this 15%. is. Oh, it's 15. percent Well, go Italian. So is, go uh, Italy. So, yeah, this is an Italian one. 2019. Uh, I'm not gonna try to say that word. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. I want to butcher this. So I can piss <laughs> off some Italians. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> camp. Camp pass. 
no, in, in my mind, especially in my town, like Italian wines are the best value. Yeah. Like the French wines we can get, like, and it makes sense, right? If you live in France and you have really good wine, you're going to drink it all. Like yeah. it's never going to make it out of the country. Yeah. This is so. called a Barbera. Is this racist? <laughs> <laughs> you may have crossed the line at that point, okay. but you know, you're a minority, so you I'm get Asian, a pass, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right. I'm, that's, that's all I'm going to do. All right. Let me have to do that. All right. Oh, this is way darker. Man, you gotta slow down, man. It's way, way darker. All right, I'll tell you how it is. <laughs> the, yeah, I'm not gonna do it again. But you didn't answer my question. Oh, what was your question? I'm sorry. What would you, th <laughs> you think of him specifically? And what did you think of me specifically? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I wanna hear the possibly a just position of sorts. The thing is, is that like, well, Wes is really friendly and I'm an immediately suspicious <laughs> of friendly people. Uh, and so in some sense, like I had a better impression of you, but at the same time, you were so standoffish that I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know about that guy. So standoffish. Okay. See, I want to hear about this. No. Well, did, did you know about us and our work and what we've done up at that point? I think so. I think someone, like one of my customers showed me the work that you guys had done and be like, oh, these guys are doing great work. And I'm like, those motherfuckers. Yeah, we had done nothing up until that point. <laughs> no, no, you yeah. had done that one with the... Um, we did the retrospect. That's I remember the you, you... I think it was the retrospect, that, like yeah. the reverse slope yeah. bezel watch. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I remember you talked to us about the contrail as well because uh, there okay. were ball bearings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because that, that's a really tough construction. That's the yeah. kind of thing, like, in my opinion is one of those things that you do because you're just kind of like, how hard can it be? I'm like, it is very hard yeah. to do that construction. <laughs> so he was friendly. Yeah. And I was standoffish. You, you were definitely okay. standoffish. You you were you. You were like, we we're all like byproducts of like very, very old school Asian people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where like, so it's like your children should be seen and not heard. You know, that kind of, that kind of perspective. Yeah. So. One of the things Colin and I noticed really early on is that a lot of our favorite brands were uh, Asian uh, owned. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Well, there's okay. there's there's you, obviously. Yeah. There's Helios. There's yeah, Avig. Jason, yeah. uh, there's Raven. Steve is a full-blooded Korean deep down. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and that's yeah, a compliment, yeah. Steve. When you're listening, that's a compliment. Oh, my God. I, I, yeah. he, Steve at a Korean restaurant is, is like the funniest thing ever. Because he knows like every single dish. And I'm like, what? Yeah, and he knows the customs too, like the the Korean drinking customs. He knows it better than than we do. Living oh, that's in LA. wild. Yeah, that's wild. That makes me ashamed to be yeah. an Asian person. <laughs> I don't know anything. Like when I go to Taiwan and I see Asian people speak, like white people speak fluently. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm I'm a terrible, <laughs> terrible Asian person. But yeah, we we were nervous as hell. I posted that picture on our Instagram too back when we had like like probably like five thousand followers. Uh, but yeah, I remember being super nervous coming up to really? to, to Didn't you. you. And, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, no were, one, no one should be intimidated by me. No one. <laughs> oh, I say that about me, and people are scared of me. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea why. Fuck those people. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to be intimidated by me, but honestly, as much as I work out, it's only women and children. And who yeah. wants to be able to just scare women and children? Like that's something you want to put on your, you know, put on your resume or something. No, but you were one of the first micro brands that we found back in like what, 20, 2015, 15, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember selling Cullen the watch. So No, earlier, earlier than that. Yeah. 2014. How do you remember? No, because you said like, oh, it's a graduation present to myself. And for whatever reason, those kind of things stick with me. Mm -hmm. um, and the only thing that bothers me is now is I can't remember everybody. 
and that's, that yes. that kind of bothers me. At the beginning, I could remember almost everybody, so now it's just gotten into like the thousands, and it's hard to recall. Yeah. So, yeah. and plus, to be honest, your name is very unique. So yeah, that's true. I'm. Uh, that if, was when uh, the vampires were big too. If, right? if you're of a so. certain generation, then you know of that Stephanie Meyer novel. Mm. I don't know if. You've seen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like you lost me. Like I'm completely lost. I'm like, what year was this? Was I alive? Yeah. yeah. You know? So, uh, and your daughter's too young. Yeah. So. so. Um, yeah, she was definitely yeah. not at the Twilight Saga, if that's what you're referring to. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so you do know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you were you're one of the first brands that we heard about. We knew about him before uh, the Ready to Wear line was even a thing. Oh, of course. Right? Oh no, you looked at yeah. my stuff and you're like, we can do better. Like this yeah, guy's no, a hack. No, we looked at your stuff and you're like, how the fuck do we get this stuff? <laughs> like, how do I get a ful- it, it, the, it, the fulcrum was the first. I remember it was on your uh, the banner on your website. I was like, that's the okay. watch I want, but I I couldn't for get me, one. For me, yeah. it was Kingston. Kingston, yeah. Like that guilt dial was never seen did, it. did you say that the Kingston is your rarest watch? Like it's the, not the, the the Fulcrum is definitely the rarest watch because oh, my, okay. my case vendor fucked me over. Um so <laughs> <laughs> the Kingston was like and uh Blake from One One asked me today on on the podcast we recorded it was literally the best thing that happened to us and the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Mm. Um because I looked at that watch and I'm just kind of like, why has nobody done this? Like, this is like, this is fucking James Bond's watch. And yeah. it's like the real James Bond. It's like Sean Connery, like the good films, in my opinion. Oh. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I probably it, started no. some shit right there by saying that. <laughs> I love it. Know? I love it. My, well, my two different, my my two favorite Bonds are, are Daniel Craig and Sean Connery. Oh, um, wow. The first and the last. And the first and the, and the latest, yeah. And so, um, and, you know, look at the watch. I'm like watching, like, to be honest, I don't have a lot of fun memories of my dad. He's just, he's not really kind of like a... He's an Asian dad. He's, yeah, yep. he's an Asian yeah. dad, exactly. <laughs> well, your Asian dad is a very... He, he's different. My, my Asian dad's not that yeah, Asian. He, <laughs> he's like the, the exception that yeah. proves the rule. Um, and, yeah, I, you know, my dad was a big Connery fan. He was a big 007 fan. And so, you know, that was kind of like the one thing we have in common. Uh, it, probably the only one thing. Mm. Um what made the Kingston so rare? Um, mostly because, like, it was only 300 pieces. Like, when I start talking to people about making the dial, for example, you know, like, my dial vendor at the time, I really believe that he kind of, like, was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about because I really don't want you to make me do that. <laughs> Like, you know, I had no idea how hard it was because the only time I'd ever seen that dial was on, like, a limited edition $20,000 Breitling yeah. Chronograph. <laughs> and I was just like, this one, this one, I, this is what I want. And you looked at it like, are you, are you sure? I'm like, I'm really fucking sure this is what I want. I didn't want that like plastic, like, you know, sticker that you want to, you know, slot, like slop on me. So that's I'll just not say what this I want. real quick. There have been imitators, but none of them come close. Yeah. Seriously? Because yeah. I see them pop up everywhere. I'm just like, this must have gotten a lot easier since I started, since I did it. I don't see them. Well, that's the thing about homages. It's uh, the details, the proportions. That's the stuff that no one gets right that that you do. Oh. Well, I was talking about yeah. the guilt relief in specific. Okay, but oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. well, that yeah, that is one of the, the whole details. package yeah. itself is no one's really come close. Yeah, but like, that's another one of those watches where like, how hard can this be? Yeah, no, you know, this was not. done in the fifties. You know, yeah, um, it oh, yeah, thought it'd be uh, very hard. So, are you ready for another hard question? Jesus. Oh, you know, let me. Uh, <laughs> And that way, I hopefully, yeah. I won't remember my answer. Okay. Okay. So, uh, what's the longest someone has waited for a watch <laughs> from you, from putting money down to, to receiving? Jesus, you're going all out. 
Well, it's hardly a secret because if you wait that long, you're going to tell somebody, aren't you? Okay. So. What is it? Uh, 10 years? Maybe. <laughs> At least nine. At least nine. Okay. Nine fucking years. <laughs> And I love you guys <laughs> to the end of the days because nine fucking years. Like, who the hell does that? Like, I'm not like Harry Voltanen or anything like that. No one fucking waits ten years for yeah. something I made, but so but people did. So, but don't you think that just that attests to the fanaticism, the fanboyism, the cult following? It's I, I don't, true. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I want to say cult following that has kind of a weird connotation. Yeah. But Kool Aid. Just something about the mystique and the aura of Bill Yao, Mr. Bill Yao, Mr. Bill Yao. Um, I I don't know. Like, I was certainly drawn to him when I first learned about the brand. Yeah, and I'm not the only one. We we obviously are friends with many uh, Mr. Bill Yao fans. Yeah. Um, So like, it's not weird to hear that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know at least two, three people that own everything you've done, have tried to own everything you've done, but have only gotten. Like a good amount of it, but not all of it. Yes. Oh, that's that's and, awesome, um, but super weird to hear. It's not <laughs> like oh, they're collect a few pieces and then they're done, or like it's just like they've been. A lot of them have been with you for like a really long journey. Too. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like well, I had like one guy today, and he was like, it's it is. I I don't know. It, it if I could make a living by just making that one guy happy, that would just that would be <laughs> that would be enough to me. It, that would be certainly enough for me. So. Yeah, and I I think that's really admirable. Yeah. Um. I would. I mean, you've waited. You remember you ordered a Key West, but you needed the money for notice to, to, to start notice. So in a, in, a, in a weird way, you oh yeah, yeah. invested in notice. <laughs> yeah, I invested about twenty dollars because I had to eat that you know credit card yeah. charge, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so I want my point zero zero one percent. And uh, we also always joke that um, Helios also helped us fund notice because oh yeah, we flipped his C fourth yeah <laughs> his Gen Series One C fourth that yeah oh that that was such a good watch yeah so he's gonna be the uh, the third one we got Steve we got Bill we have to get Jason on well the, he's the on most the podcast he's the mo- he, he's like like up the in, most elusive up in the, the the woods of Vancouver yeah like, but we'll we'll make it happen out in a cabin probably and then the ultimate will be all five of us <laughs> on one show oh you know? that would be yeah. like that would be amazing to, <laughs> yeah. to hear all the stories yeah like everyone looks at us and there's and I do it with you guys and like. These guys can't possibly have my problems, you know that kind of thing. Like their life is so, you know, so smooth and so awesome. Fuck those guys, you know. And then we get together to like everybody's just kind of like, yeah, that that happened yeah. Like six months ago, you know. So. Yeah, no, that would be like a six-hour podcast. Twenty eighteen New York windup was kind of like a dream come true for me because yeah. I got to see Bill and Jason and Steve, and then we did all the festivities. Well, Bill wasn't there with us, unfortunately. I was passed well, out by his, the his wife and kids were there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His wife and kid was at yeah, the show yeah, with yeah. him, right? Yeah. Kid. Kid. Yeah. yeah. One. One. That he knows of. Yeah. The yep. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I was that. You know, <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah. No, that that was a crazy experience for us. And I remember, like, we stayed in a cheapo Airbnb okay, in, uh, so in we, like, Queens. Or, we were in Sunnyside, Queens. Yeah. Was, wow. We were... <laughs> Okay, so that during that time, notice was like running on fumes because we were 
reinvesting every single cent back into production. Okay. We released yeah. three models that year, three completely different batches. From, right, right, right. From all the money made from the first fucking batch. Yeah. And then... That's the way it we is. We were broke as fuck, so we had to find the cheapest freaking place, and then it was this random shitty... <laughs> it was the shittiest fucking band yeah. I've ever Bed been in. Bed bugs, uh, shared bathroom with like three other people. To be honest, like I lived in New York and I'd never heard the word Sunnyside Queens ever come yeah. up. <laughs> okay. So, so we, yeah, so we, we would take the, take the, the met, what do you call it? The metro there? Subway. The subway yeah. to whatever stop. And then we walked like 40 minutes down to Chelsea Market. Yeah. But you spoiled it already. We go, we go back to LA, you know, we're having a dandy time, you know, oh, back home, blah, 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 you know, riding off the high of the highs of New York. This guy comes, comes to my place and then I see all this, these red dots on his arm. I'm like, I'm like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, that's fucking disgusting. And he's like, and he pulls on his shirt and there's like more. I'm like, dude. Oh man. Like, it's like all over my I'm body. Like, you should probably oh get my God. I'm like, you should probably get that checked out. Like that's, that's really disgusting. Like I didn't say anything because I, I just saw him like, <laughs> okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And then. The next day, I see the exact same thing on my arm. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I text him, like, dude, do you, like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it was pretty clear it was bed bugs, which Did you have to burn everything you brought back from New York? So, luckily, we didn't oh bring God. anything back. Oh, okay, uh, we probably good. just left it on the airplane. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, oh, thanks for that, because I got to yeah. get on an airplane tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks. But, oh, oh, my God. That was, like... Yeah. But it was worth it. That it was one of the funniest yeah. mementos from that trip. Talk yeah. about earning your stripes, goddamn. Yeah. No, but they're, uh, they're, the memories that we had on that trip are the strongest ones that I have of, oh, yeah. of our come up. You know, and we're still coming up, I think. But the 2018 wind up trip is still an incredible time, despite the bed bugs and the shared bathroom and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also cracked my phone for the first time there. Yeah. Like I never, yeah. I never cracked a phone before. Like, you know, oh, really? drops on the floor. I do that all the time. <laughs> so like, I've always had good karma with, uh, with the Apple gods. Yeah. As I always say. Opposite of me. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I had my phone in the bathroom on the counter. Yeah. I was in the, in the shower and I was in there longer than I expected because of, I was just trying to get it to work or something. And then, right. And then I didn't realize my alarm was on. It, oh, it, it okay. went off when I was in the shower. I shouldn't have been there that long in the first place. It was just because right. it was shitty, so I was in there longer. The alarm went off. I didn't hear it. I was in the shower. And then it just vibrated, 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 vibrated. Oh, and it vibrated itself off the it counter? vibrated itself off the counter onto oh, the fucking damn. ceramic yeah. uh, floor. The whole fucking thing cracked. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I think I... I yelled fuck so loud. <laughs> Woke up the person on the third floor. You know, the the eighth yeah. the eighth guest in that that building. Yeah. You know, I woke him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. Never again. Yeah, never again. And yeah, hopefully the guest will never be in that position. Yeah. So Yeah, but uh But that's yeah. what it took. You yeah. Know, that's what it took. So worth it. Yeah, just kind of reminds me of my first trip to Baselwood. They they didn't have any hotels available, so I stayed in one of the hotel ships, and I'm like showering in the hotel ship, and like everybody is like gigantic compared to me, (laughs) and I'm like I barely fit in this fucking shower. I'm like, how are these people keeping clean? I'm like, I'm like hitting the wall every time I move. So, okay. I, I thought that was like a public shower or something. That's like a weird. No, no, like all of our rooms had showers, but they were like like minuscule and I'll, like I'm a short guy so I'm like, it was okay but it was like barely okay for yeah. me and I could just, I was just trying to imagine everybody else down the hall trying to shower in their rooms because it was like it was almost impossible for me yeah 
but you know, this also kind of sounds like first world problems. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can cut that. You can cut yeah. that. We're complaining about the roofs <laughs> over our heads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my 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 boat on on the yeah. on the river in Switzerland. Yeah. So when when you were coming up, when you were at the stage we were at in 2018, did you yeah. have someone to look up to? Oh yeah, who the hell did you talk to? No, no, it was literally like just like I guess when you think about it, it was it was a lot like just hacking a path through a jungle. Really, yeah, you know, I really didn't know what I was. <laughs> no, that's a great analogy, actually. And I I use that today with um or not not today, yesterday with one of the guys that was fanboying about you, and I yeah. said that. You know, half the brands in here don't realize it. Probably Bill doesn't even realize it himself. But the uh, the work that you did over the past twenty years made it possible and created the momentum for the brands that are there today at Wind Up to do what they do. Bill well, starts drinking. We'll start see. praising him. Um, just because I, I'm going to tell you a story because sure. I feel really bad about this because uh, the guy is like a major player in the watch industry and like a schmuck. You know, I, I go in there. <laughs> I go into his booth and just like ask him for like a sample movement or something like that. So just to tell you, like this is like the CEO of like Salida, mm. and like an asshole. I I go into his booth and just be like, you know, I had no idea he was like assembling like half the movements being used by the Swiss watch industry at the time. I'm like, oh okay, you know, how, how is the work you do? You do and like, yeah. you know, can I see a sample of it? Like I'm some sort of big shot asshole. And like, to be honest, he's never forgiven me. And and I, I don't think he should ever forgive me. But yeah. at the same time, he, he's not there anymore, right? He's, no, 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 he's still there. Oh, he is. Like I, I can't, like I can't go directly to the company anymore because he's, yeah. just, he's, he's gonna remember me. That's how uh, big an asshole I was today. Wow. So, wow. How about, can you, could you acquire the movement indirectly? I, I, I think that's the only way I can do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, he's, he's yeah. not gonna be looking at like betting every fucking client that they have. Yeah. No, to be honest, like that guy is like, like he is like his, that business is his life. Like yeah. he is on the ball. I, I would not, I would not be surprised if he knew every single customer that he had. Like wow. he was that detail oriented. Like he was that, you know, uh, he's just that intense a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they disrespected him like that, like unintentionally, unintentionally. I don't think that's so. an unreasonable thing to ask for though. Right, it's not about like I know, but not like, believing his work is good. It's just, but even at the time, like you know, he he wasn't like making it wasn't like making your own parts. He was mm. buying you know Ibashes from like oh, Etta yeah. and then yeah, assembling yeah, yeah. everything. Okay. Right, so it's 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 you know, it was just like a sense of my own gigantic ignorance about yeah. the industry. So, so you didn't have anyone to uh, to train you and and show you the ropes and no, tell the you what biggest, to do, what not to do. The biggest help that I had was from a guy named Jim who will remain as a first name only because he really doesn't want to be known. Like he, like he is such a giant, like an un, uncelebrated giant in the, in the watch industry that I tried to get him an interview with Blake and at Warren and Wound. And he's just like, no, thanks. You know, like, um, and the people that know him will know him. Mm. Um, and if he ever listens to this podcast, he's probably going to fucking stab me because, <laughs> you know, he was the kind of guy that he was, he, he's a manual machinist. He's been in San Francisco, I think, I believe all his life. Mm. Um, Did he come to the show? 
No, no, no. Like he's like a bit of a recluse. Oh. Um, and that's the why. Like I told him I was going to be here. Like yeah, yeah. I saw him 20 years ago when I was here with for my brother's graduation. And if I had known that was like the only mm-hmm. time I was going to see him, I would have taken a fucking picture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because like the guy is amazing. Like yeah. he can make anything, like mm-hmm. literally anything. And uh, I'm going to say this because I didn't mention his last name so no one can find him, is is that if you look at the marathon, like, SAR watch, that's, like, you know, such a key part of the lineup right now, he is the one that built the prototype by hand for that watch. And, uh, you know, and (laughs) for whatever reason, he saw, I guess, potential or saw the fact that I wasn't going to waste his time or something like that. So... You know, Jim was the one that helped me with like the technical problems that I had because he's a metal worker. He he knows you know metal in inside and out. Like this guy doesn't watch television. He doesn't like what he does is that he reads books about metallurgy for fun. Mm. You know that was his thing. That is still probably his thing. Um, and so I had this problem with my crowns because they were disengaging. And if if you have a disengaging crown, one of the bigger challenges you have is is a phenomenon called spalling and. That's when, like, the spring inside the crown starts to deform the metal on the inside because of the friction, because it's disengaging, yeah. it's turning against the spring. And um, and then first it deforms the metal, and then by default it will start work hardening the metal so that the metal, it won't just resolve itself, it will just get worse over time. and Or up to the point where it completely work hardens, and then it won't get worse, but it will never go away mm. either. And, and if you're a watch nerd out there, and uh, I say that with the greatest affection, and you have that problem, don't worry. Your, your crown isn't going to, like, explode into a thousand pieces or anything like that. You know, But it is, you know, disconcerting, to say the least. And he was the guy. Like, I sent it to him, and he literally pulled the thing apart and figured out what it was. He's like, oh, you have you have metal spalling. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. And, like, and this guy hates to talk on the phone. Like, my watchmaker, Jim, also named Jim. Um, he's like, I've never talked to him. I've known him for like 10 years. I've never talked to him. Like, yeah, I've talked to him like three times. I'm like, you must be really special because you feel like you've gotten him on the phone like three times. Um, like I was literally sitting on the staircase of my, of my house and like half out of my mind. And I was like, I talked to him about the problem for like four fucking hours, which is probably like more time than he spends on the phone in an entire year. So, you know, it's guys like that, you know, knowing that they're really good guys out there like that, that kind of keep me going. And then, you know, I look at you guys and I'm just kind of like, well, you know, if they need my help, I'm, you know, I want to, I want to do something about it because, you know, if I, if it wasn't for him and if he, it was only one guy really that, you know, did a lot for me, but you know, even that one guy was just kind of like, I wouldn't be here without him mm. because I would have probably just lost my fucking mind by yeah. this point. So. Um, and it also, like, when I was doing like, the custom Seiko stuff, you know, he was the one that set me up with an engraver in San Francisco. He was mm-hmm. the one that helped me, like, engineer the chapter rings that I developed for the Seikos and things yeah. like that. So. Who are some of the uh, the earlier brands that started around when you did Yeah, that, um, that, I guess, people you came up with that you're still friends with and still around? Because I know a lot of them have uh, have gone gone away. But are, well, are there any, like, super old friends in the industry that you have that you're still in touch with? Oh, that's really tough because like I was telling you earlier today, uh, earlier in the podcast is that, you know, I was a different person when I started out, Mm. you know, like it was a kind of, it was like, it's definitely a zero sum game to me at the time. So, 
you know, I you know, I I, I guess it's lucky that uh, like Resco, you know, mm. a, a great company started by a, a, you know an amazing human being. Yeah. Oh, they're huge is, now too, aren't they? Yeah. Like, and you know, he, you know, fortunately, he still tolerates my existence because he's like a bigger deal than I am, and rightfully so. <laughs> like you know, to do what he's done, you know, <laughs> it's just like. It boggles the mind, and I don't, I don't even know what he's done. Just to know what the kind of shit those guys do, yeah, is just kind of off the hook, you know. And so the fact that he still talks to me, even though, um, you know, wasn't really that supportive of him when he first started out, because mm. you know I was doing military watches, he was a military watch collector, and to be honest, like you know, I have no reason to be like that because he bought like two of my watches, like he didn't ask for you know freebies or anything like that. He paid full retail for the yeah. watches that I sold him, so. Um, you know, shout out to Resco. If you if you don't mm-hmm. follow him, you should. And uh, or Goose Works, uh, he that's his knife company now. So, can you? Uh, this is an off-topic thing, but yeah, could you give us a brief run through of your model release history? <laughs> you yeah, that's a good one. Just like like, like okay. in, in order though. Like I, yeah. I think for me because uh, you know I, I've been following you a long time, but there's so many uh, models, and I'm more familiar with your recent stuff. But I want to know, like the like the first half of your history. Like, what's the model that like kicked it off? What's the one that like put you on the map for magazines and reviewers and all that? And like, and what's what what's your most popular? You know, like that that kind of stuff. Like when you first started doing full, completely assembled Mark II watches, yeah. not just parts. Oh, that's uh, that is, is kind of like a fraud story, to be honest, because like. Uh, uh, most people don't know this, but like I call the current TR660 like the Gen 3 Tornic Reel, but it's technically the Gen 4 because when I first started, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, I'm going to make a watch under the Tornic Reel name. I'm going to find a, you know, an OEM to do it. And the truth is, is like that, that kind of like missing Tornic Reel was a complete disaster. And um, the only thing I got out, I, I lost like $20,000 on that deal. And the only thing I got out of it was like a whole shitload of movements I didn't know what to do with. Um, and if anybody owns a Quad 10 out there, that's exactly how that watch became a reality. Yes, so Quad 10 was the first, right? Yeah, the Quad 10 was the first. Yes. And that was because it was just kind of like, what the fuck am I going to do with like 300 movements? Um, and so I was like, I got to case these things. I got to case these things really fast, you know. So, so the Quad was the first. Uh, the the how is it tragically named Blackwater was the second. Uh, considering at the time it's not like a good idea, and then history proved me wrong. Could you explain that? Oh, uh, for an ignorant person like me. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm so that was back in like 2005, 2006. That was uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And so there was, you know, one of the biggest things at the time was that the U- the U.S. government was using uh, military contractors to kind of like fill a gap, I guess, in the manpower they needed for Iraq. And one of the one of the contractors that they used was a company called Blackwater USA. And but you know where Blackwater got their name from was that you know, the covert ops of the Navy SEALs would run. Uh, they would, oh. I don't know for certain, but according to CNN, you know, mm. they would call them Blackwater Ops. And so I was like, oh, that's the perfect name for like, you know, my first tribute to the Type 1. And so I called it the Blackwater. And then, you know, a bunch of innocent civilians got shot. And then uh, that that became kind of like a, you know, that was a mistake uh, in mm. hindsight. So did you get shit for it? 
No, I didn't really get shit for it, but I can't feel bad for it because uh, that, you that know. wasn't the time when people gave people shit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah, that was before cancel culture was yeah, a thing, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 that's for sure. Um, and then the third watch was the Sea Fighter, and the fourth oh, yes, watch. I remember that. I mean, I was <laughs> I was still in elementary school, but <laughs> <laughs> but I know of that watch. Yeah, the fourth watch is the Sea Fighter. The only reason why I know this is because I actually follow a numerical progression for almost all of these watches. Um, the fourth one was the Paradive, which was an updated version of the Blackwater. Mm-hmm. And obviously I changed the name because uh, of the things that happened in the intervening years. And even Blackwater has changed its name. And it became kind of like, you know, radioactive at the time. And so. Um, poor man's watch for him. What is that? Yeah, so then that was both on the block wa- the Paradise platform, and so that was like that fourth watch kind of a thing. And then the fifth watch was the Kingston. Oh, okay. Mm. Now we're getting into modern, the, the modern Mark, Mark II, <laughs> uh, uh, period. Yeah, so Kingston was a big turning point, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. it, yeah. unintentionally, because yeah. I really didn't think it was going to be that momentous. Like, yeah. you know, at the time, like, I would sell enough watches to go through with, to go forward with the project um you know within like you know like 30 to 60 days yeah yeah and that was the first watch it was just kind of like i got all the reservations i needed like in a week yeah. and I, I practically shat myself you know yeah. seeing that happen and now like to think back on it and and sell that many watches in like in four minutes i'm just kind of like, like yeah. well, you know yeah <laughs> what the hell is going on so you, you do realize if you bring that back it'll the same thing will happen. Yeah. And to be honest, like <laughs> the gestation period that for that watch was mm. so painful for the customers. I don't know if I yeah. could do that to them. <laughs> you know? Well, it, that's why you, what you do is you don't say jack shit about it. Yeah. Don't pre-order. Just when it's it, all it. 300 or whatever, how many are ready? Yeah. Just be like, just don't yeah. say a thing. Just put on your website one day. See what happens. Yeah. yeah don't, don't even post anywhere. No, like, no emails. Oh, if I do that, the next windup I go to, someone's going to fucking stab me. <laughs> well, but that would be the most Mark II thing that you could do. That could be the most Mr. Billy no, no, thing that, that, be, that could happen. That would honestly, like... I mean, if, if I missed out, I'd be mad, but I'd be kind of like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a Mr. Billy Yao thing to do. <laughs> okay, uh, as, as, as an enthusiast myself uh, of Mark II products, um, could I try to continue... Uh, uh, yeah, pick pick up from the Kingston. Pick up yeah, from yeah, from yeah. what you're doing and try to put it all in order. Yeah, no, so Kingston was still in order, and the next one was the Nassau. Well, I want to see if you can finish. Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I was, yeah, I didn't yeah. explain that. Um, but thank God he said that because yeah, I would have missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> but but that watch is also another oh one that's God, in super Nassau, high I, demand. I forgot that's, about that because yeah. I was thinking about the Kingston and that yeah. one's like with the three six nine one. Yeah. The, and also the non three six nine and the red triangle. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> so many cool. And then, uh, what? So what was with the um, the Explorer thirty six? The the what's that one called? Uh, the Vantage. Yeah, the Vantage. Yeah. What was when did that come out? Oh, I might have missed that one. Yeah, I think you missed it. What number is that? Oh, do you know what it is? <laughs> do I want to know? <laughs> no, 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 no. Is I I like two different nomenclatures and. Um, I forgot I have two different nomenclatures, and so I completely missed that. Honestly, I don't know which that one that was, but it was that was the one watch that's momentous in my mind because 
I tried to use a Rolex case consistent. Oh, sorry, I'm slowing my words now. The wine's really kicking in. <laughs> um, this one's really strong. Yeah. It's like yeah. spicy too. Yeah. It's good. I like this one better than the other one. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I prefer it too. But no, just, no. I, I, this is why I like almost exclusively buy like Barbera's. Yeah. It's just such a departure from the from the first one that we had. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's um like it's not sweet at all. There's like that's why I was making faces earlier yeah. when I drank this. I was like, what the hell? I was wondering, I'm like, dude, like Colin, like I was trying to pay you back and like do you a solid and like if you fucking hate it, I'm really sorry. You know. Um so yeah, the vantage was <laughs> because I know one of those one of those how hard gonna be moments. Yeah. Um what 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 is an asymmetrical screw? Oh, so like it's basically just a screw with like one side of it faced off, so it's it's flat, and the rest of it's round, and so it's just the mm, head, mm. right? So if you look at it, it looks like if you took the moon and just cut a chunk of it off from one side. Why? What what's the advantage? What does it do? So it's an ingenious system, really, um, and so what they do, and they don't use movement rings. So I used a movement ring. And so what they do is that, you know, the screws, when you screw them all the way down, the flat side is flush with the outside of the movement. And so, and then so it drops into the case. Mm. And, and then what you do is that you actually undo the screw and it, it rides up into like a lip yeah. inside the case. And then it provides like a positive uh, pressure against uh, the movement mm. into the okay. case. And uh, so I did that, and uh, it was a total fucking disaster because I, I didn't realize, like, so what's key, and uh, if you're brave out there and you want to try that system, more power to you, and I will give you this word of advice and, and warning, is that if you don't tap your holes at exactly the same place every single fucking time, and also face off your screws in exactly the same place every single fucking time, you're going to spend the next like three years finding the screws <laughs> that fit the movement ring that you happen to have and that you pulled out of the box. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that you can get the goddamn movement into the fucking case. Uh, he's, he's still laughing at a tapping hole. No, 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 no. I was laughing before that, and that made it better. I'm only laughing because I'm just wondering how many people are actually gonna get use this far. Use this, use this, <laughs> no, use this advice and like be like, oh, he was right. Yeah, totally don't do that. You know, totally don't use this system. The Rolex is Rolex for a reason. And so. then he started saying tapping those holes. So I'm like. All right, so Colin, can you continue? Um, Nassau. 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 No, I'm glad the alcohol is affecting <laughs> you. I don't feel bad now because it's definitely well, affecting he did you. Well, right he did say corridor earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Down the corridor. Um, that's good. So Kingston, wait, Nassau? N Nassau. 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 That's a place in the Caribbean. Yeah, and I actually yeah. met a guy from Nassau today, so which was fun. Same as Kingston, right? Um, yeah. So they were like all bond based. Because Dr. Right? No and whatever was in right. Kingston, Jamaica, yes. and also Nassau, Jamaica, and yeah. things like that. Okay, so um damn, putting me on the spot. Well, I did it myself. Yeah, you did. Um, you know. <laughs> so what what I'm kinda confused about is when the Project Three Hundred actually came into place because I know I guess we're bringing this up again. <laughs> when people put down money for it. 
I don't know. Was that the nine year wait? Yeah, that was <laughs> that, that was, was yeah. the nine year wait. But so yeah. does that so does that count? Or are we just talking strictly releases? Um Let's talk about releases. Yeah, that, releases, that makes things yeah. easier. Yeah, 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 was, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Kingston, Nass Nassau, um GMT Mass. Uh, GMT. The Key West, yeah. Uh, Key West, yeah, Key West. And then you had the Right to Wear line, which was like mind blown. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that changed everything for uh, yes. for Mark II, yes. which ironically is not as ready to wear as I was hoping it to be. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's it not is. so ready to wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost um, ready to wear. Almost, yeah, that's right. So Hawkins, <clears throat> well, first of all, <laughs> See, actually, I'm, was the paradigm. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Oh. I was going to say, I don't know if... The, Paradive the, Gen Par- 3. Yeah, I don't oh. know if Paradive counts because it's a technically I, a reissue. I, yeah, right, but... I had a Paradive. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. The bezel broke, and then you sent it to... Uh... No, you sold it, didn't you? <laughs> what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Were the bezels... Like, what was it, the bezels? Oh, if you... Did you have a Gen 2 or Gen 3? I don't know. Okay. So the Gen 2 actually, ironically, uses the same bezel system as the Gen 3. Yeah. The only difference is, is that the guys that made the Gen 2 didn't know how to make the bezel springs. Mm. And so, Oh, was it the, the click plate thing? Yeah, the click plate. So oh. the click plates were really prone to failure um, unless you kind of like – it must be a heat treatment issue because yeah. um, I, I have like PTSD from like high school chemistry. And one of the things I did to earn extra credit was actually heat treat a piece of metal into a spring, which mm. was stupid as hard. Um, and so the Paradives, the Gen 3s now, especially for those people that are waiting for a Paradive, um, Gen 3 right now, is, is that the springs are, you know, made by a company that knows how to use the system. So, yeah. Like, we've had click plates break. Yeah. It's just the nature of click plates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had many Seiko click plates break. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I haven't had one, but I also not one of those people that twirls their bezels or anything like that, mm. so. I, but, so... <sighs> Like, so why are click plates so prevalent? That's my question. If they break, easy they're to prone assemble. to failure. You're just easy yeah, to assemble. It, yeah. Really, it's just easier to assemble. If you like, use a finger spring, have you ever tried to put the fucking bezel back on with a finger spring? It's not that hard. To me, it's a goddamn nightmare. Like I used to, I had a Squale, uh, a vintage Squale that I, I bought as a case study for the Sea Fighter, and I don't, th- I still have it. And I'm still pretty sure the bezel's not back on the watch. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what our uh, retro uses, isn't it? I mean, our retro. Okay, well, the retro t- three that we have, I've been taking some off um, recently for some some assembly for some you know for some special editions, whatever. Um, it has not been that hard. Yeah. But again, it really depends on on the watch, I guess. With that bezel mm. construction specific, like the bezel shape, it makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Continuing on, Paradive. Yeah, I love the Paradive. It's just a bit too big for my wrist. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my six and a half inch. I have a six inch wrist, but I yeah. guess, but to be honest, I've been taking like selfies like during the last three days and I realized how much overhang there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, I love the aesthetic. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. Um, So, Paradive, the Crucible? Oh, shit, I'm running again. Or oh, was it Project no. 300? No, no. The funny thing is, is that because of the nine-year wait, the Project Three Hundred was right after the Kingston. 
Uh, yeah. Okay, so t- yeah, so yes. in terms of uh, I remember that taking so, orders, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I remember. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. Oh, there was the LARP. The, the oh yes, there was. See, yeah. See, wait, we missed the fulcrum too. When where? What, what the fuck? Yeah, where? <laughs> wait, Mister Bill, yeah, why are you missing these things? That's your product. <laughs> like literally, like oh wait, Stingray. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Stingray. Like literally, up until like John was helping me out and James was helping me out with like all the work. Like literally, everything is a goddamn blur. Yeah. So, to be honest, I have trouble remembering. Our own stuff. <laughs> no, no, like a lot of like certain colorways or like, yeah. like this and that or like certain batches that we've done. Like I completely forget because yeah. we've done so many, and obviously when you're assembling them, it's like onto the next, onto the next. Yeah, 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 really. You, like, you just forget yeah. about it because yeah, exactly. A, you don't want to see it ever again. <laughs> have you, um, have you ever done? And this is another hard question. Okay. Have you ever done a dial color that's not black or white? And if no, will you? <laughs> oh, you've done white, the Key West. Yeah, I've done yeah. white. That was awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think. I've done an orange one and a yellow one. What? Oh, you mean what? Mo- is it your modding parts? That's nah, the mod. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't count. That one doesn't <laughs> count. Uh, yeah, actually, I haven't. Wow, do you know okay. how much? Outside of the Key West white dial, because you, you kind of had it yeah. the Pan Am dial, so yeah. I haven't. So will you? I will now, yeah. 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 Oh, totally. my God, that's going to be awesome. Will you tell us what? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I'll tell you in private. I won't tell you in public. Okay. So... <laughs> It sounds like there's already a concrete plan in motion. Yeah, like to a certain extent, like uh, given what we have going forward, like people like color. And even though I don't, you know, it isn't about me. So I have I kind of have to do it. So, yeah, but we trust that you'll do it for the right reason, not just for the sake of chasing a fad or, you know, doing just doing color. No, no, like you know it, me. It, yeah. it, it is like the, the amount of thought that goes into it is going to be way too serious for a while. Yeah. So. Will you say what color it is? Oh, that's not what you asked earlier. No, I said. Um, I'll tell you the one. That I don't know if I'm going to do it, but the one that I'm thinking about doing is something like a safety orange. So. Okay. Oh. That's interesting. A very good choice. <laughs> orange historically yeah. has only done well for us and I don't because of that I don't know why we haven't done more we've oh, only done two we've only done two orange watches in our life oh really the okay. Avalon 1 and then the Retro 3 yeah and then yellow also always does well yellow and orange yeah, have yeah, always yeah, done yeah. well that's a fun color yeah it so really is I don't know why we uh, looking back and thinking about it it's like why the f- like I am th- I'm just uh I have an epiphany right now. It's like, why yeah. haven't we done more of those? Let's do it. Let's do more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, if it wasn't for like that bucket of grease from the In-N-Out burger, hey, I yeah. would just be on the floor right now. Yeah, There's so. another double-double with uh, animal style yeah. with chilies waiting for you. <laughs> To be honest, I'm ready for it right now. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, one last question to maybe cap off this podcast. Sure. I don't, I'm not sure. You haven't had In-N-Out in 20 years. Yeah. What's your impression now, 20 years later? And so, like, this is like a, a quiet secret is, is that I really only eat meat like once or twice a week. 
Um, and the biggest compliment that I can pay in an up burger is that it is totally worth like eating, you know. And that's kind of like the metric I have is is that is the meat worth eating? Is it yeah. just kind of oh. like you know bland and tasteless and things like that? Yeah. And and that burger is still as good as I remember. So yeah, I I can agree with that ideology that that approach that you have because for me it's like is this saturated fat worth it yeah. <laughs> for my blood cholesterol yeah yeah like if i'm gonna eat fries i want to make sure they're fresh mm. and hot like so hot where i like t- touch my tongue and it burns <laughs> or when i bite into it and steam comes out like that's what i want if there are stale old fries why would i waste yeah. my saturated fat quota on that right right exactly yeah, yeah. That, that's so like Especially as you get older, you know, yeah. you guys aren't as old as I am. Um, but we also don't work out as hard as you do. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, I'm like I'm the short, angry man. So, like I have like age onset Napoleon yeah. syndrome. So like that, that's the only one that keeps me like on the even plane. So, all right. Well, on that note, time to eat in and out. <laughs> and uh, next time you're on the show, hopefully we have Steve here. Oh, that would be awesome. Steve's that would the be best. A, yeah, that would well, be a fun yeah, episode. Best. Well, we can just let him talk and just, we can just watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve, if you're listening, you should uh, you should come to New York uh, in November. I'll bring my entire rig and we'll do a show. In Epic. an yeah. Airbnb with air, with bed bugs. Yeah. <laughs>